But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Welcome to the 32nd edition of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron. Today I'm joined by Tom Kennett and Alex Jones. Uh, yeah, we just got a light episode this week. We're meant to be joined by more. Rory's not here because Connor can't be here. And Connor can't be here because he's caught something in Ibiza that he needs to get cleaned up. <laughs> we won't go into for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we won't go into details, but it is curable. <laughs> Alright, so uh, if we kick things off then... We've got the Wembley NFL games that have come up. Uh, the first one was this weekend. It was the 10th anniversary of having the games over here, the actual regular season games, not just friendlies. And there's been a lot of talk as to whether an NFL team could feasibly be here in London. And I suppose if we just go over now, whether we think it is possible, whether we think it's likely to happen. Um, if I kind of uh, kick us off, so I was doing some reading saying a lot has to happen for us to be able to have one yeah. over here, um, they've been trying to. They were trying to get a team in LA, and it took two decades <laughs> for them to get them. But once the ball is moving, then it is pretty quick. So you think now they've got the Chargers going there, and they've got the Rams there. Um, so I suppose that they just need to make sure it's a good idea, and I suppose these games are a good barometer as to what they are. What I've seen that they're doing now is what they want to do is they want to move and have one team just play its regular season games here just for one season, just to have eight games here. So what they can do is they can try and gauge whether it's... Because at the moment it's like a novelty thing, isn't it? Like a lot of the people who go to the NFL games, my uncle's a good example, he goes every year with uh, four or five of his mates from work and they have absolutely no clue (laughs) what NFL at all. It's just the spectacle they have the kiss cam, the dance cam, the cheerleaders <laughs> going down on the field. They put the whole, like, there's people marching down the street, like, yeah. about a mile away from Wembley. You've got people wearing all the jerseys. They said that they counted, um, and they do have, they managed to count someone wearing every individual jersey. So they're saying there is blat- there is obviously an interest yeah. here outside of just the teams playing because the year I went, I've been the once, and I'm going to the one on Sunday, there was a lot of people there. I saw Chiefs against the Lions. Yeah. It was actually a surprisingly good game. But there was a lot of people in both those jerseys, but then there was actually a lot of other ones. You see a lot of classic Patriots <laughs> and that. But then you see like people wearing Browns jerseys, people wearing Jets jerseys. And it is like obviously Who the fuck's wearing a Browns jersey? I know. Jersey <laughs> but I guess now they're just trying to gauge if having that many games will keep it as a novelty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you two, whether either of you think that it is feasibly possible. For a start, would you want it over here? Or do you think it would kind of take the shine away from it? I've seen some people saying the Jags are basically the London Jags now. Yeah, five times they've played <laughs> yeah. in that and they won three. The people of Jacksonville won't be yeah. happy. <laughs> part, that's partly where my concern would lie. Be The fans over there, are they, they're not going to be happy with their 
like you said about a team playing all the regular season games over yeah. here for one year. That one year, they're not going to be happy, are they? Well, the, the thing is, like, they don't really pay much attention anyway. You think Raiders, they've got one of the more passionate fan bases and they're just shipping them off to Vegas. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, where there's going to be no atmosphere because people just roll in and out of Vegas. And the LA games, if you look at the um, capacity there, it's like half empty. They make jokes about it. So I, th- I saw someone, which I don't really know what they meant, but they called it empty stadium porn, which seemed a bit of a <laughs> contradiction to me. But... A strange category on browsers, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Alex, anything to say on that? It's a big leap. Um, I think... <sighs> You're asking what like, if it would take in this country, but I think there would be a bit more of an uproar from the team... That would be the issue, I think. The uproar from the where the, the team would be coming from. Yeah. Um, for a current team to try and move, I think, would be extremely difficult. Would a new team be any like, possible, do you think? The issue is that then it makes the season even more irregular because then you're going to have more people in one of the divisions. So it seems like if they are going to do it, they're literally just going to relocate a team with a little fan base to come over it. Mm. I've seen people suggest the charges as well, but now they're going to LA. Yeah, um, Roger Goodell has actually said that it is one of his priorities. Basically, they wanted to get LA out of the way. And then this was like the next thing on their list. So I wouldn't write it off completely. Um, the only thing is the, the way the process goes is because I've, I've seen it from playing NBA 2K essentially the team puts an application in for a relocation and then it goes down to a vote between uh, all of the board members and every owner and so the owners then have a say whether they want their teams going over to play yeah, yeah. Um, and whether they think it helps them commercially because obviously if it's a game that they can't sell out because there's no interest in that team or something, then it loses their money. And so it is like a long-winded process for them to get through. Yeah, depending on them, it'd be... For example, they're never going to want their game against, say, the Packers or something to go overseas because that's always going to be a sellout. If, if home or away, you're going to sell your allocations. Yeah. So. But from our point of view, is it? do you think if a team had all their games over here, do you think it would fill out? Every time? This is the like, thing. Did you said about the novelty. Because we have, what, three games over here? Well, no, this year there is five, I think. Okay. No, four. And they're all sold out. Mm. And so there was 86,000 people at Wembley yesterday. Yeah. So if you had, what, 16 games over here? Yeah. Then Which, by the end of it, would, would people... Is the novelty wearing off exactly. by then? Or is it still... And or are we being the, disrespectful? Is there more fans than we realise? Well, this is one of the things, because another thing I was thinking of, and I was trying to read some other people's opinions, and one thing that people were saying was, some of these owners think putting a team in London, every NFL fan here is just going to switch allegiance immediately, when mm. some of these people have been supporting NFL. I think it first came over here in the 80s for a friendly game at the old Wembley. Yeah. And so some of these people have been supporting the likes of the Packers, the Patriots, the Dolphins, 49ers. So they're not just going to jump ship because the team's got London in front of it. So if anything, they might adopt it as a second team, but maybe not to pay the price of going to Wembley every single week, no. which isn't cheap as it is. No. And it's the same from merchandise point of view as well. People buy merchandise because based on like what they like. So they'll buy a Chicago Bulls thing, for example, in yeah. basketball. They're buying because they like the brand or whatever. They're not doing it necessarily because yeah. of the team they like. So even if you base the team here... I don't know whether merchandise would sell quite as much as no. they think. One of the things as well is um, 
teams obviously have to give up their home games to come in, so it would just be the eight. But at the same time, what they're looking at this week is the Ravens now, it would have helped if they'd won this week. But they usually would give the team a week off after their game here. But the Ravens are now playing like their rivals in the Steelers next week, fresh off the back of a London game. So it's it's tough. Logist- yeah, I was going to say logistically it's hard to do that, is it not? Because I was watching the Packers game on Sunday and yeah. saw how the injuries they've got yeah. going into the game and then they were quite banged up at the end of it. And they said, well, now they've got to go play on Thursday night as well. Yeah. Which I saw people saying you generally you've got five days to recover. But if you throw in the fact that you're going to be tra- travelling across the Atlantic for it, then it's going to be a bit... Yeah, and the majority of um, the fans... The way the money is made in the NFL is through their advertising and things like that, and their viewership is decreasing massively. But if you think it's two thirty over here, it's like it's like early morning over there, isn't it? So they're waking up. Yeah. So you're thinking probably between five and eight hours ahead behind us. Yeah. So it's a horrible time for them to be getting up and watching their team, and we're used to it because America is like the hub of it so it's kind of a sacrifice you know when you're getting into following NBA, NFL, baseball, mm. UFC then you know you're getting up at that time but for them it's not quite the same as it is sitting on the sofa from 12 o'clock in the afternoon having your football Sunday yeah yeah absolutely um, um, what you got to remember as well is that um, obviously it's not just going to be Wembley that are hosting the NFL stadiums yeah. the new Spurs stadium has got the uh, NFL pitch which is going to be implemented with that new the switch system where they can switch the pitches out yeah they've got Twickenham doing some games this year as well yeah. um, one thing they've tried doing in terms of encouraging teams to come over here so it's not just the Jags every year <laughs> is if you host the Super Bowl you must play an international game within five years um, and they're having one game in China in 2019, and it's the 49ers. I think it might be the Dolphins, but I'm not entirely sure. And they're saying if they keep leasing out these international games, they could be like uh, spotting themselves when they're taking away the games that they could have there in America. Absolutely. I was going to ask as well, where does it stop? So you've got them coming over here. Are they going to branch out otherwise? So maybe Asia or Australia? Are yeah, they well, going to look to do that? Well, I, I always thought, when I was just kind of just in passing that it, the idea was that you have like a London Rhinos, for example, yeah. and then we enter the league over there mm-hmm. and it works like that. But then that doesn't really work logistically, does it? You you have to cut a team to add one in or you'd have to add about four, five, six new teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't have 33 no. teams, really. So are we talking potentially about a... Um, uh, adding teams from uh, a single team from each nation that has interest in the NFL. Obviously, the UK being the leader in that front. I don't think it works like logistically because one of the things you love about the NFL is yesterday was a prime example. It looked like certain games were just a gimme going in. Yeah. And then you're getting the upsets, and that's one of the things because over here, I wouldn't be inclined to watch West Brom against Brighton. <laughs> Whereas in the NFL, when you still have the big hits and you still have the kind of anything can happen, yeah. it's it's got more appeal to it. So, but if if you have if you it's going to take a while over here. You have what you can count the players on one hand that have come over from England to go and play over yeah. in America, and so if you think then you're watering that down even more, and then you're going to have either the lesser talents from America having to come over here. Or us having to like teach the game for years, so you have enough where the people are knowing about like, blitz, shotgun formations, and things like <laughs> that. 
which is going to be easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. It seems to me, I wouldn't surprise me if it happens because we've seen the NFL aren't always making the most savvy decisions and they will follow the money. And if there's a market for over here, then I think they'll take the money and then ask questions later. But I think it could be a while because... Do you think for now they'll just keep raising more and more games? So say they did one game four, then three games and five. I think, yeah. I think what they're going to do, I think they'll try and get more Wembley dates or more just games. Because if you think you could do the Emirates, you could do you could do Wembley, you could do Twickenham, you could do Spurs. Yeah, you could do West Ham. So you've got enough there that you can do. And maybe if you said every team had to play a game over here, then you have, what, at least eight yeah. games that you could go there. So mm-hmm. it could work like that. And then you're measuring it out. They're still testing the appetite of it over here. Yeah, if attendance is still consistently high, then... Yeah, because I can't see them leaping straight in when you see how tentative they were to go to LA. Going to London seems... Although, the one thing that they did say yesterday, which kind of caught me off guard, was one of the players said, and I know they're probably trying to oh, like butter us up, they said the atmosphere at the London Games is as close as they get to a Super Bowl atmosphere, because they said you're seeing all the different teams come together and you're looking around rather than, it's, it's classed as a home game for, say, the Dolphins, the Jags, Chiefs, or whatever, but it's not really that, is it? So you've no. got a bit of everything going on and it just... Mm-hmm a more fun atmosphere, I think, where you're appreciating the play rather than being too emotionally invested. I suppose it's the excitement for the fans that this is probably the one game that they'll see in the year, whereas they're back in the States, they'll see them, you know... Well, this, the is, this is the thing over here. It's a bit easier now to get the tickets, but with the NBA, they have one game over here a year, and every year I go on to get the tickets, and every year they go in about one minute, and then you're lucky <laughs> if you get two seats. So you think that if they had the basketball over here, you see a lot of people there... And it's kind of like the boxing where people go to say they've been there and they take pictures in front of the court and then they're looking at their phones the whole game. <laughs> and I think three hours to uh, to follow like an NFL game when you're going to have that mixed in with the football season, aren't you? At some point, if you're having that many games over here, then yeah. people have to pick and choose. And I think they're going to pick the football team over watching the NFL. You can't have that many. There's only so many times you can go before it starts being a novelty experience. Yeah, just true. And even if the one year, if say a team did have all their games over here one year, there's no guarantee that that will repeat the next year. No. People might say, okay, it was, a, it was a bit of an experiment, but then they're not going to go and do the same again no. the year after. And then, on the other hand, if you have all these different teams in constantly, then it's hard for you to build a fan base when you're not seeing the same team constantly. So it, it's kind of, you got to like pick your poison because you go to one team and say you put the charges over here, there's only so many times you want to go turn up and see a, the same team lose. Or if you mix it up so it's a different team every week, then there's kind of not much to be watching when it just feels like a friendly every single game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just just to close this one out then, if we were to say in the next, if I'd say 10 years, that gives a bit of leeway, would you say that there is going to be one, TK? Um, I don't for the reasons I said yeah. logistically I think it would be too difficult to overcome I do agree with you in that I think they want to and I think they'll look to because it is just chasing the money yeah. I don't think they really care too much what the fans <laughs> think but um, I just don't think it will be possible to and like you said seeing how long it took with LA as well yeah. I just don't see that they're going to be able to do it I think they'll fudge it even if they do try yeah Alex um, 
not in 10 years. Um, I think maybe after 10 years, we might see some foundation work going in for it, but I think it's a bigger project than we like quite appreciate at the moment. So I think if you said 20 years, yeah, maybe we'd start to see something happen on a bigger scale. I'm different. I think it will happen, but I don't think it will last. I think it will happen and then it will be such a botched job that they're just going to have to axe it. Who do you think they'll do it with the charges? That would make sense because if I'm not expecting it. If people aren't going to see the Rams, then they're probably not going to go and see the Chargers in LA. Lose so. the Raiders when it shits out in yeah. Vegas. <laughs> then anybody else, that's not going to work. I'll try and move on. The only the other thing that could be a topic for another day, as Alex said, 20 years. I'm not sure football's going to be around in 20 years. As soon as the science gets better and better and better and you're either making the game safer or you're realising just how much damage these people are doing to themselves, and I'm not sure it's going to stay, yeah, it's going to stay around that long. With the Hernandez thing recently. I yeah. Point. Save that for a rainy day. Yeah. yeah. Last week, Donald Trump entered into controversy once again, <laughs> as uh, he uh, was quoted as saying, wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now. He's fired, he's fired. <laughs> you know, some owner's going to do that. He's going to say, that guy that disrespects our flag, he's fired. And that owner, they don't know it, but they'll be the most popular person in this country. So that then ensued that, most teams in the NFL put out a statement other than I think it was the Texans, <laughs> the Cowboys. Oh. I think the Cowboys might have. There was there was about four or five teams that didn't, basically. And that has then prompted plenty of players all over the league to take a knee during the anthem or, in the Steelers' case, not come out for the anthem at all. Yep. Um, so not to get too political here, if that's possible, but <laughs> if we just give our thoughts on what we think, if we think it's going to be effective, what they're doing, that kind of thing. So um, I thought it was worth saying, up until 2009, the players actually stayed in the locker room while the anthems were on um, until the government began paying the NFL over $5 million a year to have the players observe the anthem on the field to seem more patriotic. Oh, wow. So this whole thing of not observing the anthem, it never used to happen anyway. So, but I guess now there is the when it is happening that people are consciously not doing it. But my point of view, if I... Uh, get into it was I think if you force a player to stand for the flag then it goes against the exact thing you'll say you're trying to protect <laughs> by saying that he should stand for it yeah there was uh, the game at Wembley where the Ravens and the Jags both knelt or at least linked arms for the American anthem then they all stood up for the British anthem yeah um, and then with the Steelers in Alejandro Villanueva was the only member of the Steelers to then come out and observe the anthem. But when you actually look a bit deeper into that, um, he served three tours in Afghanistan. Yeah, and so I saw him getting critique, but then I think that's kind of... Your, your, whole, your whole thing is saying to take the knee because it's observing your rights, so you can't criticise someone for then no, no, observing their right. And I think that takes just as much courage to go against your whole team... Yeah, definitely. As it does, because he was then being criticised by some of his teammates, um, you know, when they go through a member of the media and they go, uh. reportedly, <laughs> members of the team weren't happy because the even this uh, Mike Tomlin said, yeah, we thought the whole team was going to stick together. But you can't be forcing, forcing if, one player to... If you're just doing it because every other member of your team is doing it, you're not then doing it for the right reason. No, exactly. This is something I had done where... It almost becomes like a fashion statement where... That was it, isn't it? Yeah. It's... You don't want to do it just so you can get your five seconds in a meme. 
I think you want to see players doing it because they know what it stands for. Which is with Kaepernick. Kaepernick actually was he was doing it way before it was picked up on. It was just yeah. eventually just picked up on randomly, and then they actually asked him, and he explained, "Well, this is why I'm doing mm. it. I'll stand up when I agree that the flag is being represented in the way that it's supposed to be represented." Yeah. And another thing that I thought is a lot of the owners put out statements after about observing their rights. We think it's wrong, but they're the same owners that aren't courageous enough to sign Kaepernick that yeah. are then criticising. So it is like a big loop. I mean, it's been discussed on probably every podcast, yeah. every news yeah. broadcast out, but I thought it's maybe a bit more interesting, maybe not a bit more interesting, but a bit different because we're obviously here in England, so it's a bit of a different perspective Very, yeah. as it's not our flag. So we're looking from an outside, I think an outside way. It's very hard for us to replicate the mindset of, uh, of how much sort of pride is placed in the national anthem and the flag. I don't think we have anything really quite like that. I think No, I get hyped just listening to their anthem. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was just shit in comparison. <laughs> but generally, if you're a bit kind of celebrating this George's flag over here, you're probably seen as an EDL member. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't think we quite understand maybe how seriously it's taken in terms of respecting the anthem, respecting yeah. the flag. So I think maybe when we see people kneeling, we maybe don't fully recognise how much of a statement it is and how yeah. much maybe that's sort of seen as challenging the norms in society over there. I think it makes more of a statement when the white players come out they, and do it. Like Aaron Rodgers has been quite vocal and I think it's good on his part because he has it all to lose and he has literally nothing to gain but he didn't just say I stand with him or like Tom Brady's kind of he would be the one that you need and he likes he's Roger's Instagram likely. post, and that's about as much as he's done, which is still quite big in the circumstances. Trying to do the arm emotion, yeah. The but what Rogers was saying was, originally when Kaepernick started doing it, he didn't understand what he was getting at because mm-hmm. he hasn't had to go through the things that some of his teammates have gone through with being pinned to the floor because of the colour of their skin, being stopped because of the colour of their skin, being yeah. threatened when there's a police officer and you see the gun on his waist. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good the way he spoke out because he said we the whole way through it. So he wasn't saying they as yeah. in black people or people of colour. But he was actually empathising and trying to understand the other side, which is, I think, all Kaepernick and the people, they want just the other side to be understood. Agreed. And I thought he might take a knee on the Sunday. From that post he put, I thought yeah, he was I kind of I didn't leading see to. the anthem. He's, um, I don't think he stood from what I saw. But I thought that, for example, would have been the sort of the image yeah. that people would have taken. Because you need, like you said, a leading white player. Yeah. You've essentially got probably Brady or Rogers in that category. And Brady ain't going to because no, he's, but, friend, well, he's friends with Trump. Yeah, the but thing is like, he's not really that guy. He's not getting involved in no. politics stuff, whereas Rogers always showing yeah. a bit more of an appetite. It's like, we don't want him to... S- to kneel just for the sake of it I think this is the other thing isn't it yeah. you want him to do it not because like you said getting the memes you want it yeah. because he understands it and if he doesn't then maybe you shouldn't I think it's good that he says his point and even just the thing where I've seen some players where they don't want to kneel for it but they'll put their hand on like the shoulder of one of the players that's kneeling and so I'm, I'm with you but I'm representing yeah. it in my own different way I think that's probably fair isn't it I think maybe because realistically as a white athlete they can't really fully understand probably no. the the message but then if you do kind of empathise with him then you can kneel you can put a hand on the shoulder I think the thing with Trump is kind of just giving it a new injection if that's what you've gone from 
some players needing to a lot. Yeah. And I think it'll probably only increase more and more as people become more and more yeah. aware as well. Alex, what about you? Uh, you've injured yourself kneeling yesterday. <laughs> um, it's difficult. I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you two have said already. Um, a thought that keeps on popping into my head, though, is is the field of sport really the place for this level of political statement? Um, it's funny enough, I had, an, I had a bit of a disagreement with uh, my dad the other day. Um, not as much. It got onto sport, but we were talking about way back when um, something... Benedict Cumberbatch. Let's just take it a natural. Well, it was. Uh, I'll explain. I'll explain. I'll explain. But it was uh, when he stood up in the middle of like a West End performance and made a political statement, and that's why my dad doesn't like him as an actor. I was like, well, you know, he was using his. He was using the opportunity to express yeah. his opinion, but he said, yeah, but it's not. That's not what people are going to the theatre to watch. No, I get what you mean. And then we went on to the sports side of things in terms of, well, there's been football players that have made political statements yeah. and stuff like that. So you try and look at it from that point of view. Um, I, I, it's difficult. It's it's really really difficult. Um, but I think it's difficult for as a Brit to really comprehend the patriotism behind the statement. Well, the only thing I've seen similar is it did annoy me, which I feel kind of hypocritical saying it now, when James McLean refused to sing the national anthem and refused to wear the poppy on his shirt. I feel like it is a very similar kind of thing and my reaction then makes me feel quite bad for how I thought. But my thing wasn't that I think he should be allowed to do it, but it was the whole thing of making it like about him more than the cause, which is my issue there. But I suppose it is a similar thing. And over here, people were outraged that he wasn't having the poppy on his shirt and he was turning his back on the national anthem. So that's kind of the closest thing I can think over here to kind of gauge people's reactions to it. And in fairness, the sort of the history behind what he's standing behind is fair enough. Yeah. It's, but if you to look at the current climate yeah. of what he's standing for, he's not going to be experiencing the hardships no. that a black athlete's going to be. So no. I think you've kind of got to look at it and say, whatever... Kaepernick or whatever yeah. them stand for the Black Lives Matter campaign, they're going to be having yeah. much more injustice against them than James McLean. That's not to say his father or his grandfather didn't, but I'm just saying for the current climate, it's, yeah. a, it's a very different situation. There, yeah, I wasn't so much comparing like uh, the stances, it was more the reaction over here as to how people took and, it. And also the, the idea that he has to. Like, yeah, I, I remember you saying about it and saying, like, yeah. "Well, you've been a bit discussed with James McLean in general with a few other things, but um, it was this idea that they have to have the poppy and his refusal to do it is just kind of blasphemous." But can you really wear it if you then really, really don't no, stand for it? You can't, can you? For me, the first year it happened, it didn't bother me. I was like, "Fair play, all right, do what you want." And then it was like the year later when he's then gone into Facebook and I'd just like to make a statement and say, I will not be wearing it this year. It's like, we all know you're not going to wear it. <laughs> Why do you need to do it again? That's kind of the opposite to what we were saying, wasn't it? When we said um, you don't want someone kneeling for yeah. the sake of it, you're now, yeah. are you then doing a sort of protest against the poppy for the sake of yeah. headlines? Well, I'm sure it probably is genuine for yeah. what he thinks, but it looks like that. Yeah. So I guess from now, does it actually hurt anything at all does it do anything other than give a spectacle for the start of the game for people to look out for because 
Jay Cole tweeted and he was saying that for it to make a difference, people need to stop watching football because they're still making their money yeah. while you're doing it. But I was trying to put it from my perspective in, I could miss an NFL game and I feel bad missing a, missing a Packers game when I'm far more of a football fan than I am, say, a Packers fan. And so if you were telling me this is a really great cause and to get behind this cause, you've got to stop watching the Premier League. Mm. My thing would be, I understand your point, but not enough people are going to do it. So why should I miss out on the football just because... Mm. To yeah. make myself feel better, and I, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't not watch the Premier League if Arsenal were on. If it was Arsenal Liverpool, I would be watching Arsenal Liverpool, despite feeling very strongly about the cause. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like my vote isn't going to make a difference, isn't it? Is that yeah, sort of mentality. That that's why that's why the argument comes in for is the theatre of sport really the place for political statements because that should be you know it's something that we're meant to enjoy and be inspired from, um, not something that has to just take hold I mean it, when you were saying about like the the players taking a knee before the start of the game um, becoming a bit of a spectacle like everybody's waiting for it yeah. the thing that popped in my head was um, the the whole uh, John Terry handshake saga yeah. <laughs> it's like before this Chelsea um, who was it was it Chelsea um, United no Chelsea City it was like everybody was waiting for the handshake rather than the actual game itself it was at, and like the, all the paper yeah. articles the day after with that it's just like Jesus Christ, you know, same, come on. Same with Suarez and everyone. Yeah. The, the thing is, we'd criticise the players, we criticise people enough for having the stance and not using it for good. And so it's hard to criticise them then for doing what they think's right. Like I think yeah. I think it is the place for it. It's just I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes difference it makes without going all into the whole scheme of politics. I think all it does is feed a man's ego that wants everyone to be talking about him anyway and he has everyone talking about him when every time someone takes a knee they go hey Donald Trump this is at you and he's still the president so it's I don't really see what he gains out of that other than people talking about him but no but I mean like it's not like he's selling stuff is it like, no I don't, th- I don't that's the thing I don't think it hurts him it does, people are still going to say it is hotels people are still going to he's still the Maybe. president so it doesn't it kind of sends a message more to the owners I think and getting behind Kaepernick than it does supporting a movement because we're not seeing anything happen to with regards to the policing. We're not seeing anything with regards to happen to Trump. This this is it. As much as it raises awareness, how much difference is it going to make in terms of what they're fighting for to so say um, more equal employment opportunities mm. or not pro- against police brutality? Yeah. How much difference is it making if more and more people kneel and, and they kind of recognise it's a problem but they don't? But what's actively yeah. changing? Well, we see people slating the people that are taking knees, and it, they'd be far different if it was to not be a peaceful protest, and instead it went from MLK to Martin Luther, uh, MLK to Martin X, Malcolm X, Malcolm X, so, yeah, X, yeah. <laughs> got there eventually. <laughs> so it's, I don't see how you can criticize from the point of view of, say, Trump, I don't see how you can criticise someone for having a peaceful protest other than the fact it's your ego that's taking a little hit. And it's the most important amendment. is that you can freedom of speech, freedom of movement, whatever. You can do what you want, land of opportunities. <laughs> how can you then tell someone they're not free to... Well, yeah, I, I, um, I shared a tweet yesterday that I didn't find. I didn't go through all of Trump's old tweets, but... Oh, God. There was one, and it was back from January, 
January the 22nd this year. And he said, peaceful protests are a hallmark of our democracy. Even if I don't always agree, I recognise the rights of people to express their views. <laughs> Which is the complete opposite <laughs> to what's being said now. Hypocritical. Yeah. I don't think we can all be surprised, but from inconsistency from Trump in his statement, though, can we? <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty, uh, that's the one consistency he has to be inconsistent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, in closing this one out, do we think it makes a difference and do we think there's any more that can realistically be done? I think, as you said, um, you need more people doing it, more high-profile players doing it, and yeah. let's be completely explicit, you need more white people yeah. doing it. Um, if that gets behind it, then it might... It's, it's obviously going to raise more awareness, but it's kind of what's actively then being done off the back of this that's yeah, only going to make the difference. I think we've hit a number now that... The numbers isn't going to be the factor. I think, like we said, it's and going to be nobody stands for the answer. No, and even That's being like a white player, like Brian Bulaga <laughs> kneeling, isn't gonna do no. anything at all. You no, literally, right. you need Rogers, Brady, Drew Brees, Matty Ice, <laughs> Jay Cutler is what we need. Jay Cutler, oh my god. Why won't Jay Cutler take a knee? <laughs> yeah, um, it was interesting what you said about as a different topic for maybe another time yeah. about sport being a political yeah. thing because maybe the main attraction with sport is that it's escapism, it's different yeah. from the rest of them, <laughs> and yet it always creeps in. I don't know why it's only sport. You don't you wouldn't tune into a musical performance or an acting necessarily well, I mean, and say that has they you want to know a political standpoint. Although we moaned last week about not having the drama of deadline day kind of thing and we do like the soap opera stories that come along with the game at the same time. That's probably part of it. That's probably why we attach in a exactly. uh, sort of interest in oh what what's Tom Brady's political views? What's, yeah. Why do you really care about that? You care about how he throws football, but it's interesting. I mean we live in a the the age we live in now is pretty much everything is a political statement. Um, you know, it's you can't you know go on social media without a political statement getting swamped by your friends, family. You know, it's yeah, it's that's the world we live in now, I suppose. So it's just sort of accepting that that is going to play a part in everything that we do yeah, and are interested in. Alex was injured in a race last week and demanded a participation trophy for just competing. <laughs> so uh, this week we thought we'd go over the topic as to whether participation trophies should be given out, particularly to um, younger ages and what kind of culture it encourages by uh, dishing those out. So, uh, Alex, if you want to make the case for them. <laughs> what absolute ball. I will not have that. <laughs> I, uh, just straight off the bat, I am uh, strongly, strongly against uh, participation uh, trophies, medals, any anything such. Um, I, I, I agree in... Um, with finisher medals, I just want to clear that that's something different. So, like, oh, okay, so just for your sport, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, finishing, finishing something is you know you're finishing it, but you participation. Nah, I'm sorry, it just develops the. So uh, not the same thing. No, uh, it's different. So, for example, so if you were to have participation medals, so in the race for me on Sunday, so if you finish, I would have got one. If, if you finish the ninety minutes, it's when Byron <laughs> took a bird back. <laughs> he participated but he wasn't getting a finishing medal and neither was she <laughs> no it's just it's sort of, it's sort of like it, participation Probably medals right. encourages the culture of like uh, no matter what happens no matter what you've put in prior to what you're about to go and do you'll walk away with something and it's sort of like you know anybody and anybody can walk away with something and I just don't think that's sort of the, the right sort of culture 
a mentality yeah. that it like this. I just don't agree with that sort of uh, promotion. Yeah, it's good to encouraging people to take part and give it a go, but not for the reward of always getting something out of it. It's like the difference in Kikui to Fever. <laughs> fever, you you can you participate. You can walk out. You can just walk out with something for your trouble. <laughs> Kikui, you've got to put the work in. <laughs> You come out with something there, then you put it on your top shelf. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> TK, what about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think our mentality is pretty ropey as it is without kind of getting it, making it worse. If you want a participation thing, go on like a game show where you've got to walk away with like T-shirts. a pen or whatever you get given. So The pointless trophy. Yeah, absolutely. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't, I can't really see even like at younger ages, I think if you get given a participation participation trophy, sorry, you kind of know you're kind of getting a loser trophy. Yeah. It's, it's kind of been spelled out to you. So I think it's actually more humiliating for that. I think it encourages people less, if anything. Um, so I don't see that. I don't see how it's going to help. I think the participation award is kind of that you enjoy the sport, presumably. Yeah. Presumably a kid or even someone older is getting involved in it because they enjoy it. And you don't turn up and play football every week because you have to win, you you want to win. But if you don't, it's not like you now hate the game. You you kind of you understand that's part of it, winning and losing. It's kind of and you still enjoy it. It's kind of like a goodie bag for coming to a party. It's like a reminder of the experience rather than anything significant there. It's yeah, it's not like. And does it take out the intensity of it? So if you, as I said, if everyone turns up knowing they're getting something at the end of the day, yeah, it kind of diminishes the value even for when the you winner. do get the win. Yeah, because like, uh, as ridiculous as it is, I do have plenty of participation trophies upstairs, playing for Brockwood, playing primary school, whatever <laughs> school, and still that Premier League trophy from five aside is like my pride and joy. <laughs> Like if someone, actually if someone if someone was to break in my house, that trophy in my PlayStation, that's made my TV. First two <laughs> things I'm grabbing, maybe one of the cats. Actually, I didn't think about this through. <laughs> Basically, that would be one of my main priorities. That that big trophy, as opposed to I've got that on the mantelpiece, and then I've got the little participation ones, which are at the top corner of my room, dusty in a little dust. cupboard that I haven't done anything with, and it's instead. Teach the teach the person how to improve, and then they might win next time. Rather than, <laughs> well, for someone who isn't particularly very good at sport, I'm st- still very very competitive, and it used to break me turning up on a Sunday to play football. I'm used to play for the team mainly because you could get game time, despite it not being a good team. But to turn up and like people would be happy that we lost three nil rather than losing <laughs> like six nil, and. Looking back now, I can't help but like cringe. There was like a game we drew nil nil. DVDs were made <laughs> of the game. Did you get the open top bus for that? And handed out. They, if I'm sure, if the club could have afforded one, <laughs> like we had a win, and that was like that was like the biggest thing, like in in the world having a win, not in the glory days of 2008 with my five goal season. <laughs> oh, that season, including oh, that a half. Just uh, just past the halfway line goal against Abbeymead, which uh, lobbed the keeper. Okay. I should mention, but I think it kind of does go from the young age, doesn't it? Because you don't want to breed expectance; you want to breed like the competition. No. And I know it, it. Everyone's going to be disheartened. There is going to be that point where 
you're sat there watching the team collect the trophy, but that's what that's what you want. That's how you're going to make yourself better because you then want to go and be that person. Yeah, I mean, going back to your Kikui analogy, you can't really just be going into the club expecting that you're going to go out and pull a worldie. Some no. some guys are going to go in there and pull a worldie, and you, some guys just aren't. You just, you just got to look at them and think, it ain't happening for you, mate. Just go and enter another tournament or try and improve. <laughs> Well, we've got we've got uh, a, a few listeners that have been more than happy with participation trophies before. Um, not to not to name names, well, one name Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's all about participation for him. When maybe other people like myself would be more about winning. I, it's. I think like we're talking about like. It seems like we're trying to dampen down like the when you lose. It's like it's trying to make somebody feel not so bad about losing. Forget that. You should feel bad when you lose. It's like, it's if you don't do well on a test, if you don't do well in a football match, you need to know that you did not do well. That's You get stronger from your loss. I mean, I didn't finish my race on Sunday. Absolutely gutted. I'm, you know, really upset about it. But I'll go again and I'll get stronger from it. It's, you know, it's that learning that you learn the most from when you lose. I so. think this will be an interesting topic, maybe for you particularly. So how do you feel about bronze and silver medals? So I think for so the podium. So on this year, I've got onto the podium in second place, um, and it's at Ironman. It was the first time for me on the podium, and you know, across the line, and it was a bit like, oh, wow, I'm going to be on the podium for the first time, and it was it was exciting. It was you know really looking forward to getting up there and getting that trophy and the champagne. And I got onto <laughs> I got onto the podium for the second place, and all I felt was, do you know what? I've I'm not. I wanted to be one step higher, but that's me. That's me personally. Getting on the podium at that sort of what I did is a massive achievement. And you know, it's you know, if you know, at professional level, that's a big prize purse, that sponsorship attention, um, and you know, it means a lot. But that's you know, at an elite sporting level, we're talking about youth level. Um, I think for I think you know, there should be a gold, silver, and bronze. I, I think that ultimately. It means something to be on that podium, to be the top three. Um, I don't think it should be any bigger than that. Um, one thing I've noticed actually in recent recent uh, races this year was, um, so the pro field, uh, there was trophies handed out for, uh, for first, second and third, but also trophies handed out for fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh as well. For like just the pros, it was almost <laughs> like it was a, it was like an appearance trophy. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. It was like it was almost like an excuse to get the pros up to represent, you know, their teams and their brands that they were representing. I was like, mm, I'm not really sure why they're doing that. To be honest, it's but yeah, first, second, and third. Yeah, I I think that is the way it has been and the way it should be. I agree with that. But I I don't like second and third are not participation medals. I, no. It means something. Well, I can't stand people who are uncompetitive at all. It breaks me from playing a. 20 meter race across a field to play in a game of FIFA to competing in like the Champions League final or whatever. If if I was if we were playing FIFA now and it's two against one and TK was on my team and he was joking about, I'd be absolutely fuming. I've seen it. I've seen that. I feel like there is there is the phrase I'm not going to coin it as if it's my own where someone says, uh, "Show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser," and it kind of does go back to that. It broke me with Arsenal um, last week. Some of the fans jumping up and down the street celebrating a nil-nil draw against Chelsea. Oh dear, yeah, that was horrendous. What are you doing? You see this with you see this with some other teams. Oh well, it's like you want to be going out there to win, don't you? I know maybe so much in a league, it's not quite as relevant, but 
that is like part of the game without going too much on it. But celebrating it is a bit like I think I wouldn't really celebrate anything less than a win. Like I wouldn't, I don't celebrate top four when we were getting there, but I'd be glad to be there. But I wouldn't celebrate. It no, no. On that note, I saw this week with the Spurs West Ham game. Saw some Spurs fans calling out West Ham fans because oh they're celebrating nearly getting a draw. Like the last like, twenty years haven't been spent trying to get a fucking looking like Jim and American Dad if they got a goal against Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> what? As as a Spurs fan, <laughs> how can they dig out West Ham? Uh, fans I for was. That? <laughs> I am um, like obviously last season we finished in second place, um, and a lot of fans were like really bigging that up. Mm. Um, <laughs> Yeah, unbeaten at home, final season at White Hart Lane. Yeah, we had a really good season, finished above Arsenal. Yeah, it, but it was still second place. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose with that, I can see, I can see why you'd celebrate improvement to an extent. Progress, isn't it? Yeah, but in in terms of like we've said in events where you're getting a medal for coming seventh, I don't, I don't really agree with that. And I think some sports, like you said, like with the Olympics, I. It makes it more interesting, doesn't it, having the gold, silver and bronze. I don't really think it waters it down too much there because you're still thinking this is the elite of the elite. You're still in the top three in the world rather than a race with a thousand people in and every person there is getting a pat on the back and a medal around their neck when they finish. It's probably not the best example, but you know what I mean. I, I, like, I would go back onto I think finisher medals yeah, yeah, are I, something it different. It was the wrong I mean, example. I meant maybe say like a football tournament with you've yeah. got... 32 teams yeah. and everyone there gets a medal for turning up. I mean, I didn't think we'd get Jones on the podcast complaining about finishing second. <laughs> did, it tw- <laughs> did it twice. <sighs> Going on what we said, where with the athletes getting it for a top three, for example, yeah. like you said, is the elite competing and they all have a realistic chance of winning. So, and I think as a result, that's why maybe sometimes they can be disappointed when they get a second or third. Whereas Say so going back to Spurs finishing second, yeah. that's very good in terms of their expectations at that point. They weren't expected to win the league, so it's kind of the, say about the participation awards. It's a little bit different when yeah, expectations are even still. Then, like in the World Cup final, where you see the um, teams have to go up and get that second place medal, and you see like Mourinho, he gives it to someone in the crowd. He's like, "Why would I want to keep that set of that medal saying congratulations, second place?" When it's like, I quite like that. Though. Yeah, so you quite that, enjoy watching them. That, that's part of the. Yeah. <laughs> it's what, like we said, you were saying you're going to keep the runners up medal, weren't you? You were saying you were happy with it. I wouldn't be happy, but I would keep it. Absolutely not. With um, we said it before. I remember we did the debate as to whether a player on the losing side of the NBA Finals should ever win MVP, mm. and that's kind of the same, isn't it? Where we're saying you're still celebrating losing. You may have been the best player there, but you'll still celebrate. You're still getting awarded for losing. Mm, but then. It's a little bit like man of the match rules as well, isn't it? You can't give man of the match to someone, but someone could have been miles better than anyone else. And a team yeah. can see two late goals and then they lose. Yeah, he's still the best player on the pitch. So uh, that's not participation. That's it's yeah. excellent. It's just your team kind of laid down. On the... yeah. I think when it comes to team sports, it's, it's hard to judge on that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of um, like Gareth, when Tottenham lost to Inter Milan in the Champions League, oh, yeah, and it was yeah. like Gareth Bale. Burst onto the scheme, like I mean, did, DVD, did, I think DVD I, moment. I, I think he got man of the match that game, but obviously we still lost, and we were walking away from that game like we won. Yeah, 
That's the thing. Was it draw? We lost. Yeah, it was four three. We definitely lost. We definitely lost. But that is the thing. There is such hype around that game that I actually forget Spurs lost it just because it's spoken about. Just I get. I get the mentality that I get that there was a bit of a mentality switch in that game in terms of what was it? We went four goals down, and then after the half time, we came out and we looked like right. We're not this team that's going to go down lightly, and that mentality change and that momentum. So we can put goals past these these big teams, and after that, we did well on a, you know on that role in the Champions League, and it was that totally different mentality. So, in terms of even though it was a loss, it was a that half time was a changing point with that whole t- that Champions League campaign. Mm. I guess so. Like rather than go completely off, of, I may have got anything else. Uh, yeah, just gonna say you can have a gallant loser. Is, yeah. And there's respect paid to that, but you are still a loser at the end of the day. Well, yeah, if anything, sometimes a loser gets more credit in the way... Especially over here, we love, a, loser. Loser. Yeah. We love a gallant loser. Well, this is what I was going to say, so just to close it out, I guess we're saying that we don't agree with participation trophies, but we agree with sometimes being awarded for coming outside of first place where appropriate. Yeah, we got it to appease Alex, really. But if, <laughs> if he ain't winning those races, <laughs> you won't be happy. So we've got to give finishing awards for him. For me, it's just it's doing the right thing to promote that that win that you know that improvement that you know that winning that winning mentality. You know, trying to improve yourself, better yourself, not just you know going away satisfied. You want to go away happy. It's that that's I think a participation medal dampens that ability. Out of nowhere last week, uh, Andre Ward shocked the boxing world by announcing his retirement, kind of leaving uh, our pound-for-pound lists in disarray. (laughs) And then with uh, Mayweather and Gonzalez um, retiring and getting beat, then I suppose we'll we'll do our top 10 pound-for-pounds in a minute, TK. But just first, kind of to reflect on Andre Ward, I think it's only right that we do a little bit on him. So if I ask you first, where do you think he now ranks among the all-time greats? Are we talking in terms of super middles, like or just generally? Just generally. Well, you could do like I've got kind of got a split answer, so you yeah. can. Uh... No, that's, that's fair enough. Um, I have seen a lot of people in reaction to it saying probably one of the most underappreciated fighters we've had. And they are probably right. Um, I think the main criticism of him is style-wise, maybe not great to watch, and then no. personality-wise, <laughs> didn't bring you in either, which is kind of how Floyd got away with it. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to appreciate how good he was and how dominant he was. Um, and the CV does look good in terms of the names on there. He has beat legit yeah. contenders and you wouldn't pick anyone against him at this point in and around the weight. Mm. So for that reason, I think best of his bunch um, in terms of super middles would give anybody a tough night. Could You could feasibly make an argument for him being anyone at that weight. Um, so in terms of pound find all time, he's, he's a very good fighter. How highly he's going to rank in terms of where know. would you put if if you just without going too deep into it? So yeah. say top ten, top twenty, top fifty, top hundred. I, I think he made my top fifty, for example, and that's okay. you know top fives ever. So that's yeah. quite a, that's yeah, quite yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't give him much fair props on that. So so for me, I wouldn't have him down as an all-time great, and I'll go I'll go into <laughs> this now. I'd have him down as an all-time great super middleweight. Mm. And I think there's nothing wrong with being one of the greatest super middleweights ever. Um, I wouldn't rate him the best ever at the weight. And I think the issue is that the division hasn't been around quite as long. So when you look at some of the people who've competed within the weight class without technically being within the weight class, then 
I think you'd have um, for like overall longevity and like achievements. Then I think Calzaghe is stronger as a fighter, and I think he like be a better version of Kessler. And then you've got Roy Jones Jr., who would fit into that category as well. So I'd have those two above him in terms of all-time great super yeah. middles, but I certainly wouldn't kind of write him off in quite the way that. No, some people. It seems I've seen some polar opposites. Like I don't, I wouldn't enjoy watching him. I, I'm not going to go as far as like the. I was about to come out with the if he was fighting in my back garden. I close the <laughs> Frank Warren. Yeah, but no, I, I wouldn't enjoy watching him. I wouldn't if there was a bad UFC fight on and a bad, uh, and there was not a reward fight. Then yeah. I'd probably watch the UFC fight. But then, what would you say his finest moment was? Hmm, it's difficult, isn't it? Because watch the... what you say. Because yeah. <laughs> the second Kovalev win probably is in that I didn't necessarily like how it finished, but what he did with him and how it was looking like it was going, even if he didn't yeah, think yeah, it yeah. should finish then, the way it was looking, the way the fight was going, was a, a very impressive achievement against yeah. probably, probably the most dangerous opponent he had, yeah. and the way he dismantled him. It was kind of a genuine debate as to who wins that goes pound for pound king. Yeah. The fact he did that quite conclusively in that second fight is... Um, after the first fight, I did think he lost, in fairness. Yeah. But that was close. And then that second one, to do it so emphatically, I thought was probably a good answer. That probably is why he's retired now. Probably thinks I'm not going to do much better than yeah. that. Yeah. Well, for me, I thought beating Frotch was kind of his... If you go, if you were to go back down his resume, then... Winning the Super Six. Yeah, and so. kind of for what you said in, in terms of the way it was done, like you mentioned the second Kovalev fight, and I think Frotch is held in such high regards, not so much as a person, but boxer-wise <laughs> on both sides of the pond. Yeah. Um, And it's not only kind of the only man to like properly beat him in that, in such a way that it's like conclusive, and he did it without getting a thumping in return. Usually if you beat Frotch, you're going to have to go you're gonna to have to go to the well, and you're gonna to have to, yeah, like, be in a war there to go with him. And he beat him, finished the fight with barely a scratch on him. Um, and obviously, there in that same thing, he's won the Super Six tournament and picked up two world titles along the way. He, when he was eight to one going into the tournament, that's, that's looking yeah, back, isn't it? That's yeah, I know, crazy. Um, I think uh, the only person who was ranked beneath him in terms of favourites was Abraham. <sighs> Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then just finally, before we move on to our pound for pound list, do you think he'll stay retired? Um, I do. Yeah, I do. In fairness, I, I don't. I struggle to see what's going to lure him out of retirement. I don't see that any of the light heavies at the minute are really going to. No, I don't see that the super middles. I think the super middles can compete amongst themselves. There's quite a lot there. And I did see someone say, "Oh, he's going to retire. See who wins the cruiserweight tournament and come out for that." No one's going no. anywhere near that cruiserweight tournament, <laughs> and he shouldn't either. So, no, I don't. I don't see it personally. No, yeah. I don't think there's gonna be huge calls for him to be even more importantly. No, it's I'll... not like Florida people dragging back in. No, I don't think they can. With just before we uh, finish this question, yeah, TMZ have already filmed a video shouting at Floyd, "When are you gonna fight Triple G?" <laughs> and he's going, "I'm retired, man. I'm retired." <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think he stays retired. I think I would have liked to see Ward vs. Stevenson. Uh, I think it was fairly conclusive who would win, but just I like seeing one person with all the belts. Agreed. I, with him now stepping up to like heavy, I would like to see him Buddy Jack. Yeah, actually, that, was a very yeah, good that'd fight. have been fun. Yeah, it's been different thing with Ward. I said about I'd fancy him to beat any kind of super middle or give him a close fight any yeah. super middle. 
the interesting thing was that people tended to go in with him and try to rough him up or try and do that because they couldn't outbox him. Yeah. Because they would, and as Frotch kind of found out, he his inside game is very strong, and he yeah. worked, and as other people find out, he's happy to play dirty when needs to be. Yeah. So I thought someone like Jack, who is a bit more intelligent with his punches, yep. picks his punches. I thought that would have been an interesting. And he knew the tricks, doesn't he, Jack? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's tough. That's why I'd, I'd, you said about um, you'd probably have Roy Jones and Calzaghe over him. Yeah. I'd have both of those are the only ones I'd make a legit case for. Yeah, I yeah. think we'd probably beat him. The Calzaghe one's but more hard as well. That. Yeah, exactly. You, you feel like I feel you could manoeuvre Calzaghe, but the, th- the, the idea that those two were boxing would be a different sort of spin yeah. to what most people try and do with Ward. The only worry that I think is um, with Calzaghe, although he, switched, although he could switch it up, I think he had a style and yeah. Ward is very good that if you give him one look, then he can figure your look out. He's... He's like Floyd in the fight, he'll figure yeah. out as well, isn't he? And that, like, yeah. by round three or four, he's got you figured. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's kind of assessed the options at Cruiser. He's mm. kind of seen there. I think if Bellew had the belt, then he might have taken it because the appeal of fighting in England, a fight that he would have won fairly comfortably, and the allure of getting another belt. But I think yeah. the fact Bellew doesn't have that belt, I felt the fact he has to come back. He wants a WBC belt now, it's Gassiev, isn't it? Uh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so he'd have to come back for Gassiev <laughs> if he wants that belt first, so yeah, he's going nowhere near absolutely that. Absolutely not. Um, he's gone into the punditry now, which he is good at. Yeah, he is actually. And yeah. um, he's got like a good, he's got. He's rich, obviously. He's got a young family as well, so I think he's going to, he seems quite a sensible guy. I don't think he's someone that you're going to tempt out because I think he does value his health more than he values. Yeah. Because what... We say this, and there's people say you can never have too much money. But realistically, what more is he going to do with another two million? That's it. He's not going to get thrown huge money at him like some fighters are anyway. Not, he's he going to get good money, but he's not going to have stupid money thrown at him. He doesn't seem particularly like flashy either. I don't doubt he treats himself. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a nice house. I'm sure he's got a nice car, but he doesn't seem like someone who needs to have a red carpet outside his house, a bright orange <laughs> Lamborghini, and all this. He seems like he's fairly content that if he can provide for his family, if he can live a good life, then. He's happy enough, and he's going to have the constant stream of money coming in. Yeah, watch him do a Tiger Woods on the quiet. He's at all sorts. (laughs) Seems quite boring, but he's actually all over it. One of the things is I've seen a couple of the young fighters when when he was over here. I think Boazzi was one. O'Hara Davis mentioned it as well that he was quite good. Where he would give, he was going to the gyms around London, and he was giving them all tips, and this is what he could do. And I think maybe if he was to put his mind to it, then he could go into training if it was something he was interested in doing because. He speaks quite softly and he speaks like, uh, I'm trying to think of a trainer that I would use an example of, but Dave Colbell, I was going to say, where get to the point in the corner, get very concise instructions and yeah. simple. And that's what I think he'd be quite good at. So maybe he could have a future there if it's something that he was interested in. Yeah, I think, and people will respect his opinion because he's, yeah. like I said, he's seen as an all-time great. So It's the thing, I, I don't like him, but I couldn't not respect him but the only thing yeah. I do think is this is why like we mentioned where we practically had an interview locked up with him and then she suddenly went just hold off a minute because we might have a few couple of things to sort out this is obviously why oh, yeah because <laughs> I was because I think the the basis of we were going to have the interview was I used the belly angle and I was like we want to speak to you about a fight with belly oh uh, okay so I'm I guess still, getting, still trying to get him on talk about his yeah I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, pester his assistant again and see what I can do um, so if we now get on to our pound for pound lists, um, should we go one to ten or ten to one? I feel like we've got to say who we've got as a top. 
now the award's gone. Do you have Golovkin top? Yeah, yeah I've got Golovkin Same. top as well. So shall we go from 10 to 1 then? Yeah. Because this All could right. be interesting. And there's a couple of mine that I feel like I could interchange, but I was kind of... I've just in, seen a name on that and I don't, <laughs> I don't even want to acknowledge this. I've got reasoning for them. So have, Dear you, Lord. have you seen my 10? Is that what you've I've seen? I've seen your 10, yes. All right, so I've got Jeff Horn at number 10. For fuck's sake. My basis is... You've got the two... We've done this with the UFC when You've got the two meanings of pound for pound, haven't you? So you've got yeah. it on resume and you've got it on uh, if we were all the same size, who would win? Yeah. And the thing with Jeff Horn is it's kind of... I feel like Pacquiao was on everyone's pound for pound list. And so if you beat the man, you kind of should at least take the man's place. And hmm. I'll, I'll admit that, I'll admit this now. Um, for Boxing Monthly, they sent around an email and they asked for everyone's pound for pound top 10, and then they did it on a scoring system. So you got 10 points to be in first, and so on. Yeah. And I actually had Pacquiao as my number one, on the basis at that point of, if we're going by resume, then he has the strongest resume, he's a world champion, and his last wins are solid enough that he keeps that place. Yeah. And I wanted to be a bit different and look at it. <laughs> but no. Um, so I, I had glove. Golovkin one, but yeah, Jeff Horn. Realistically, if I was going to interchange it, then I'd probably have one of the cruiserweights. I think. Yeah, it's probably Usyk if it was going to be mm. there. But the coming if he comes through this tournament, then I would definitely have him on there. But at the moment, it's just the worry of the lack of competition that, that he's had. Yeah, well, he's got Glovakian Huck on yeah. record now. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. But, no, but that's kind of yeah. Like I said, at the end of the, at the end of the tournament, I think he'd be straight in my pound for pound. What assuming he does. If Horn beats Gary Corcoran, I'll have him up to at least four. <laughs> <laughs> this is the other thing. You got to go Gary Corcoran. Yeah. Who? Yeah, probably doesn't deserve a world title shot at this point. And no. when you got talked about the reason I couldn't have him in the top ten is when you talked about Bradley Skeet potentially fighting Horn. I I've got <laughs> Skeet winning that. I'd have Skeet favour. I don't know. So if he then is top ten, how could, how could I justify that? Okay, so who who would you have in ten? Ironically, I've put Pack there. <laughs> I think I'd, it was a difficult one. This I did think about putting Usyk in here, um, but the fact I can guarantee the fact I can guarantee he's going to win that um, cruiserweight tournament meant I couldn't put Usyk in at this point. And yeah. I was going to put Pack in as you kind of said, just on resume yeah. previous. You have to if, it, if it's solely on that, then he'd be number one, obviously at the minute. Yeah, but I think he's still got enough. Shane Mosley's not if, retired yet. <laughs> if he was. Younger, you might have said that Horn performance was a one-off and a bad night. Yeah, it looked like it was age, but he could still come back and fight someone yeah, very that good. Yeah, cut as well. Yeah, he could f- come back and fight someone good, and then we'd say, "Oh, actually, it's still just as good." I so... fear he's going to be fed to someone that we're going to mention later on, but we'll okay. get to it. Uh, at nine, who do you have? We'll go back and forth. Um, at that point, I think we've look... got the, the the bottom five are interchangeable. The top five, I think, will be fairly unanimous. Look at, don't look at my list. <laughs> right, who have you got a nine? All right, hear me out here. Okay. I've still got Chocolatito in there. I don't like this list. On the basis of the first... He's retired now, actually. Is he? Yeah, yeah he's officially retired. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Okay, if, if I've got to take him out then, then I'll, all right, I'll bump someone in that I would have going to have in and I'll put Errol Spence in. Okay. On the basis of what I think, how good I think he is. Yeah. And me, I'm a little bit biased. I'm a fan of his as yeah. well. I think Brooke was a legit contender, but that's oh, yeah, definitely. But that's the real name on there. Other than that, he's got yeah. well, good names, but not spectacular names. I had spent. I got Spencer nine as well. Um, I was deciding between him and Thurman. Although Thurman probably has the better wins with Garcia 
probably feels quite harsh now in Thurman in now I look at Garcia and, uh, and Porter being his last yeah. uh, two but my thinking was I tried to have not too many from the same divisions in there <laughs> that's like a multiple choice <laughs> one where you just did out. A two times in a row so you didn't want to choose A again the next time <laughs> it's like what I, I said earlier I was going through my top 10 favourite albums and I didn't want to have two of the same artist in both on the list so I kind of tried mixing it up and I tried doing it based on resume and the mixture of if I had you all the same size in a fight, who would I take? And I yeah. thought I would take Spence over that. And I really hope we get that Spence Thurman fight next. That'd be poor. Although I do believe it was a draw against Danny Garcia, genuinely. Um, what about eight? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll go. I've got <laughs> I've got a new eight. Have you? Yeah. For fuck's sake! Who's he beat to get? He's, what is he now? Three weight world champion. Three world champion. Yeah. Th- He's got a legit argument, but um, on the same basis, then I guess I've got Lenares in there for World Champion. Okay, yeah, um, I, didn't, I didn't have Lenares in mind. In current, he's in, still in good form. Still yeah. looks as good as ever. He's only 31, people underestimate. Yeah. Um, he's got, as you said, if you were doing the, if I was the same size, then we'd. He's got that bird. <laughs> he's got, and she's got them Julia. Yeah. <laughs> he, but he's got the wins, he's got skill, he's got power. So if you were kind of saying, right, if we're all the same size, I think you can make an argument for him beating and on around yeah so I think I think he's putting his time hasn't he he's kind of only now really getting recognised yep. as a pound for pounder okay so um, who did oh is that yours yeah um, so what about seven um, the guy I would want to see him fight Mikey Garcia okay another, another case of three weight world champion yep um, can make a genuine case for him against anyone in and around the way yeah um, that sheer power but he's got skills as well as he showed we mentioned didn't he that he's in the worst position in boxing where he's got Linares one side and he's got Crawford the other if uh, they're the fights he's being mentioned or he's got even Lomachenko yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got um, Srisket saw Rung Versailles for fuck's sake well I kind of said on the basis that you beat the man you've got him and Horn in your top 10 well it's kind of like if, if you beat the man and you are the man and he hasn't just beaten him once either he's beaten him twice and that second one was brutal yeah, I mean, the first one, you could probably make an argument that Gonzalez won. So my main more... thing was whether I had him higher or Inoue higher, and I thought on basis of wins that I had him higher. Than Inoue, yeah, Jesus Christ, that's a terrible shout. Come on. If you're going to put Inoue in there, you've got to have him in over Runderside. Apart from anything, if you say head-to-head, who do you fancy winning that as well? My man. <laughs> no, you don't. You fancy Bring Inoue. back Zoo Shimming. <laughs> don't try and deflect from it. It's, you obviously fancy Inoue to win that, so he'd be higher than him automatically. Alright, at six I had Mikey Garcia as well, so you can just go to your sixth place. Okay, uh, I got Furman there. Okay. I think the wins, he's marking out as the best welterweight, which is a deep division. Yeah. I think Spence would beat him, but the fact that he hasn't got the names yet. Yeah, I feel like it's not as deep. Crawford's going to add a bit of spice into it, I think, because the excitement's kind of drifted bar those two. They're kind of going, aren't they? Yeah. If you look at... Well, you think Khan Brook's still one of the best fights of the weight. And they're both... Yeah. Kind of last legs, yeah, exactly. and last eyes in Brooks' case. <laughs> Their last legs, Floyd's gone, man, man is on his way out. Yeah, it's a division that was stacked and is kind of slowly filtering. Okay, so at five, is that you? Uh, so you, you go at five, you're not gonna like this. Who I've got a Riga. Oh, no, well, he's not on my list. I'll get, I'll get to it when you to finish your explanation. Um, I think skill wise, you'd have to have him in your pound for pound top 10 just on ability. If you then look at, he has got wins. How many is he a two weight world champ or is he? 
That sounds about right, but I'm, I'm not certain. I know, because he's only jumped for a couple of weeks, hasn't he? But the main thing with him is he's got decent names on his record. People forget Donaire was rated pound for pound when he well, beat him. I'll get, I'll get to is, my point. Which is a good win at that point. Um, and also, people that wouldn't fight him. I've never seen any people quite as openly admit they don't want to fight someone as with Rodrigo. And you'd pick him to beat all of them as well. Well, this, this, this is my thing because he's not on mine because I feel like he has the one win and it's so long ago that the <laughs> other people have overtaken him. And I was trying to think of a good comparison earlier when I was going over your disgust at how I wouldn't have him on my list. And I was thinking with Demetrius Johnson where different sports, obviously, but he's in a division that isn't particularly interesting. Um, People do want to fight him, which I suppose is a bit different, but at least even when there's no one there, he's still beating everyone that he can beat. And with Rigo, it seems like there are enough people there that you could get the fights. You can keep fighting, you can keep busy. And if not, then you've got to keep fighting until you're mandatory for those belts. And if they don't want the belt, then they're going to vacate. It's the same with Golovkin. No one wanted to fight Golovkin, so he kept going and going and yeah. going. And he gets in the position, then you can force the fights. The difference being, eventually, with Golovkin, with his style, you can sell. Yeah, I, I, get what, to... I get what you mean. And he doesn't speak any English. Enough. <laughs> right. Someone's actually... doing his Twitter. No, he, that's not him. Well, they, he was doing an interview with Michelle Joy Phelps um, on Saturday because he was at the Dorticos fight. Yeah. And then uh, he said something and he started grinning. And they asked the translator what it was, and he said something along the sign along the lines of, "I'll be back if there's women like you here." Oh wow, slimeball! <laughs> and, and then her like her little cackle comes out, <laughs> and he uh, looks like, <laughs> "Oh no!" Yeah, oh, I was gonna I was gonna say something, but I'm not, I'm not gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna you say, thought better of it. I was gonna say he looks like a space invader crisp. <laughs> I just saw his face the other day with a close-up, and I was like, what has happened to you? He's How quite old wide, are you? He? He's got quite a wide yeah. face. He's got really, like, Brendan Rogers-style dry lips. Some respect. Okay, so what are we... So my number five, I have Canelo at five. Okay. feel All like right. you've got the resume there, you've got the pound-for-pound skills there. Can't have him any higher than Golovkin after last weekend. Um, and I feel like the quality of his opponents recently are... are I feel that's taken him down and he's lost ground on other people where he's been fighting people basically blatantly not his weight and blatantly no like chance not of beating him. Be yeah. Um so we're on to four now. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got Canada there. See okay. above really. Um people do over some of the names on his resume, like Lara. Yeah. Some people slated Trout, who was actually a good fighter yeah. at the point, did beat Cotto. Yep. So th- there are names on there. Um he has been a little bit selective at times with certain opponents, and I think he has weighted out Golovkin a little bit. But um, definitely, but still good enough to be fourth, which says a lot. G- Golovkin now says he's not fussed about any other fight. He wants the he wants the trilogy straight away. The trilogy. <laughs> he wants to beat him and then beat him again to show that there's like no doubt in it. So he doesn't have the draw there. He wants that cash. He's gonna be like 2019 by the time that's done. Golovkin's gonna be nearly 40. Yeah. Um. So my number four, I've got Kovalev. Oh my god. Get is him he, out of my Is he not on your list? He's not on my list. What the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? You can't sleep my list and not have Kovalev on yours. He's got a win over Andre Ward for a start. Oh, he doesn't, though. Well, the base we've got Golovkin there is probably on what he's no, done to Canelo. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Kovalev, I'm giving him... I'm giving him the win over Ward. <laughs> 
Do you see uh, what? Do you see what? Um, Kathy Duber said. She said. Um, Sergei Kovalev said he'd retire Andre Ward than he has. <laughs> that's, a, that's a reach. That's a reach. But yeah, I've got Kovalev there. Just, I still think anyone there. Hope I'm praying we can get this Kovalev Stevenson fight. Now. Oh, imagine praying. I don't see, I don't I'll see even it. take Kovalev Baturbiev. Oh, but that'd be mo- that'd be war. That'd be horrible. I'm worried he because he's got a fight coming up against a guy whose name I can't even remember, and they're trying to make that for the full title now. So I worry that he's going to Baturbiev. Yeah, keep okay. that belt in Russia and that's a huge have them fight. crazy box nation shows. Yeah. Um, for, for what it's worth, I would have. I probably should have covered sneaking in the top ten, but on the basis of I want to see his kind of next fight. If he it, literally a good win, he probably gets back in. But there's some good names in it. Yeah, I'm looking back on my list. I do kind of regret having Jeff Horn in here. But... I, I would have had Kovalev probably lower down at the time the Ward's fight was taking place. So the fact that he lost the second one, I'm talking about, he lost that Ward's won and then retired, then yeah. kind of relegated him. I think he's ducked him basically. What? They're one one. And even then, it should be 2 0 Kovalev because it should have been DQ'd. You're a fucking joke. So, the top three, I'm assuming we have the same. We've done our top one. So, which way around then? Do you have Crawford second, Lomachenko third, or Lomachenko second, Crawford third? I have Crawford third. I don't like this. <laughs> um, has got good names on the resume and fairness. Yeah. Has unified a division, which first time since Bernard Hopkins, I think I'm right. I think he's getting all the belts. Yeah. So, it's a great achievement. Uh, just kind of looking for maybe a, a big, big one to say Spence, Furman or whatever. If he wins one of them, he goes straight number one for me. Yeah, so. the, the thing with Loma, which, because I've got Loma third and I've got Crawford second, mm-hmm. is I kind of overlook that he's got a win over Gary Russell Jr. <laughs> on his record. Exactly. And I do kind of forget that and that's pretty and, like... And I think we overlook how early in his career in terms of number of fights he's racked in straight away, two-way yeah. world champ. I was waiting for you to have Frampton on your top ten. I thought about it. Get if he won that Santa Cruz fight, he goes in. The GGG on my list stands for George Graham Groves. <laughs> Graham. <laughs> I couldn't go George George. I was trying to think. Of that is a hundred percent on middle name. <laughs> so no, so we're fairly with the names. I, th- I think with Loma, even with the sort of names on the resume, I think the skills wise, he's yeah. He's probably, like number, Rigo, he's probably number one skills wise. Yeah, like, like Rigo, you kind of have to make the argument for them going in on skills and then you look at the resume. And December 9th well. is the last we're seeing of Rigo. I hope he has paid well. <laughs> he's not going to be, is he? He's going to be put in a box. I think you get given give like a million dollars or something. I don't know. I don't know if you're getting that. I'm sure someone say that, but whether that's... Because wasn't like, haven't people figure. been getting like 245k to Loma's like millions when they've been fighting? <laughs> Strange that he's taken off and Rigo never did. Really well, he, knocks pe- he knocks people out. He's a bit bigger. He's more entertaining, isn't he? Yeah. A little bit. And he showboats as well. Yeah, but he's kind of got the same he's got sort, backing. Of, same sort of skill set. Neither speak English. No, he's, so got, he's got the backing as well. Yeah, and he does weird things like dress up as a ninja turtle and spar. <laughs> Beat TJ Dillashaw up in spar and dressed as a ninja turtle. I like that. Yeah, we got basically the same names. You don't have Rungva Sai, which I think is disrespectful, considering you have Chocolatito in there. Horn, I probably would swap a Usyk, <laughs> but I felt like if I had Rungva Sai in there, so by the same reasoning, I kind of had to have Horn in there. Rungva in there at seven. In there above Inouye. Well, I can see why... I he's could... probably got a better win than most people on the list, considering Gonzalez was consensus pound-for-pound pound number one a couple of months ago. Consensus. 
Well, he was. Uh, there was a point where he was consensus pound for pound number one. I don't think we had him at the number one, so that's not almost not consensus. I think we did. I'm not sure we did. I think we may have had this discussion before, but you can't handle the truth. I think. Well, we had Ward top, didn't we? But still, mm. Mm. I Kovalev top. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, so just to close this one out, because uh, we've got the Arsenal game coming up, so uh, want to wrap this. Want to wrap this up? We're going to give props to Triple G. Yeah, well, we'll, 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 well, it's fairly. He's just uh, beat the pants off uh, Canelo. The only one in there who's beat someone else in the pound for pound list, so therefore, yeah, in his top ten, he did win, as we've kind of mentioned. We we said about the controversy of the fight. So yeah, he definitely that's, did. That's win a it. win. That's not a draw. It was already. So why isn't Kovalev on your list? Because he got beat the second time. No, he, uh, he won via DQ. <laughs> right, if Golovkin shits out like that, then I'll down him a little bit more. But he won't. He's not that guy. No. Um, if we then just. To wrap this wrap this one up, mm. Rio Ferdinand said he's taken on boxing. He's being trained by your your guy Richie Woodall. My guy, for fuck's sake! Um, I think there's been a bit of an overreaction in terms of yes, it's a farce. Yes, he's getting paid a fortune. But they asked him how much he was being paid in the interview. I don't know if you've seen it, and he goes proper like stern face, and he goes, "Do not give that man the microphone back." Fucking hell! Yeah. Um. So he's obviously being paid a nice little fortune. People are saying, oh, come on, it's what's happened with his wife? He needs to take his frustration out somewhere. You're a 38-year-old man. With kids. Yeah. Um, but then there's the same people saying, you can't give him a license, he's going to get hurt. Realistically, his fight, is, he's going to be in with a no-hoper that he's mm. not going to be hurt against. Yeah. He'll probably, he'll, well, he will win. Presumably he's done all the medicals and brain scans and stuff as well, yeah. so if he's fit, he's fit to do it. The thing that annoyed me was he said he was going to come in and win a belt, and I don't think... He's not going to he knows how difficult it is to win the likes of a Southern Area title. When you look at like, um, it was Martin Hillman and Boy Jones Jr. putting it like going to war, yeah. and they've been training since they're what like ten years old. I think Boy Jones still looks ten years. Yeah. Old. So for Ferdinand, I think he's going to come in at thirty-eight, have a Th- couple of weeks sparring. I don't say he wants to get to a British title. <laughs> We've seen Curtis Woodhouse. I mean, don't get me started on him. But. <laughs> But then, but Woodhouse spent years doing it and getting to that stage. Yeah, that was the pinnacle. Where Took his licks. Rio was not. Yeah, Rio was not going to do that for thirty-eight years of age. No, he had to do it till he was about forty-five, and at that point, he ain't going to do it. The so, only plus side is we are we are going to see Rio go punched in the head. And oh. everyone, was, I wish it was skulls. I think everyone was crying out, hoping it was Terry. Yeah, <laughs> John, <everyone laughs> John Terry went pro. Keane would have been Keane would have been a nice one as well. Harry Kane sounds he's punch already drunk. punched. He's, he's <laughs> Oh, Deli Ali, he's on the BT advert. Wouldn't mind him seeing, him seeing him take a few. He's an angry bloke, he could do it. You're probably right in terms of there's probably has been an overreaction. I've seen some people saying, this is a disgrace, is there anything the boxing board won't do for money? And he's like, well, no, there isn't. It's the only sport <laughs> where you can just turn pro, where they can just say, yeah. right, I'm a professional boxer. You can't just say I'm a professional footballer, tennis player, whatever, you can't. We boxing, think, if you think you they like, took someone like Deakin's licence away and you'd back Deakin to beat Rio Ferdinand, well... <laughs> in the right way. <laughs> what is he going as a heavyweight as well? I don't know what he's going as because he's tall, but obviously he looks a bit lanky. Get down to cruiser, yeah. get him in that tournament. <laughs> Bellew's looking for a fight. Maybe he could get him with Bellew. I wouldn't put it past him. They both love the cash. Give us slaps. <laughs> they could start a bit of heavyweight beef. They could call Do you it a Phil Bardsley after he's beaten Rooney. <laughs> that jab. Yeah. All right, let's wrap this one up. 
Um, so thanks again for listening to another episode of the Spitballing Pod. As always, check us out at www.spitballingpod.com. Uh, check us out at Spitballing Pod on Twitter and uh, leave a review on iTunes, a like, a repost on SoundCloud, all that business. Thanks again. See you next week. <laughs>